Um, my name is Angel Volk, and I'm going to be doing a podcast on colorblind racism. And I have Scarlett Alvarez here with me. May I introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Scarlett Alvarez, and we're going to begin this podcast. Started. <laughs> All right. Um, so, what is colorblind racism? Colorblind racism is believing that the best way to end discrimination is by treating individuals as equally as possible without regard to race, culture, or ethnicity. Though this keeps people from engaging in conversations of race and racism, rejecting it entirely. This can affect people's perceptions, opportunities, income, and much more. Um, some bad parts of colorblind racism can come from people realizing what race you are and being prejudiced or degrading you. But that's where people don't understand what it means to see color. Instead of being prejudiced and degrading, we should be actively curious of each other's differences, be color conscious by acknowledging each other's ethnicities, and allowing other ethnicities to publicly share their experiences about police involvement, work life, college life, and etc. So my argument claim is that colorblind racism is a form of race-related discrimination. Um, some people might say that it isn't because they could say that um, how is me seeing color less racist than ignoring it? They could say that we're all the same and that we're all struggling. So why are they any better or any worse than what I'm going through? Scarlett, you had a different point of view. <laughs> well, first, I do agree that saying we're all the same is kind of ignorant to, like, everybody else because we're all different even if we're from the same race or same color, yeah. like, as you described in the um, description. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, I think that we are all struggling, and yeah. I think that, in a way, we are all the same. But also because we all come from like different ethnicities and backgrounds and yeah and backgrounds, like it has to be different because you know of our ancestors and like where we all came from and like and how our perspectives like kind of shaped shaped like who we are. Yeah, I think um, now is like a good time to go into the article about. Um, what is it called our generations like getting our dna from our generations passed down um from the archive michaela cole on why we need to talk about race she states that socialization is not an, is not optional it's an inescapable contract and our birth into the world is our signature of agreement norms and ideologies vary from society to society and most of them weren't formed during our lifetimes but were handed down from one generation to the next I think that's so interesting, like thinking that what my ancestors went through helped create my DNA and the way that I think. Yeah, in a lot of ways, we we don't even think about that. We yeah. don't think about like like how we're shaped, how we are. Like I think the article also mentions um, about how the lady. Is it the same article about the lady? Yeah. Who, who kind of ignored yeah. all the black people. Yeah. So, like, she didn't... Maybe she she's not, like, racist, and maybe she's not, you know, a bad person, but m maybe because of how she was raised, like, her past or even, like, her ancestors, yeah. she 
for some reason her actions were racist and were like ignorant and she kind of well it's kind of the opposite of being of being colorblind because she didn't even acknowledge the person like yeah like like yeah at all i'm gonna go into like what you're talking about for our listeners and in the same article um there's a story description given at the beginning about a white lady going into the airport looking for the upper class area for her luggage and she sees three black people standing there and goes right around them and turns around and goes where's the upper class area and realizes they're standing in that area and so the writer is actually one of those black people and that's how she got her inspiration and um writing about this and like this white lady must not have been like a bad person she didn't deliberately mean to like put them aside she i don't know like she could have just got this from her dna from her ancestors yeah Yeah, i think it's crazy because then we like all of us have something from our ancestors that we don't actually know what it is maybe we've gone through the similar experience but nobody wrote about uh, about it you yeah know? like exactly maybe we did the same thing where we didn't even acknowledge like a person who was like latinx or or a person who was white well, like we didn't or even we cut ag- them off yeah. or yeah and didn't yeah. even realize it yeah and maybe it is because of like our ancestors and like the way our, our brain was formed and everything so that's a really that's a really good support for your claim. Um, another thing she says is that just as the trace of a woman you've never met as she's been dead two hundred years is responsible for that single dimple on your left cheek, traces of the values of the societies of our great great grandmothers lived in can be found in our brains. A shared collective history exists in our DNA. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's true because, like, even um, in the quote you have here, um, you can read it after, but, like, they talk about being, you know, being a part of your community, your your ethnicity or your culture. Yeah. And, like, not even acknowledging, like, all of the, all of the past that your single culture has gone through and how, like, your culture isn't just, like, one color, like, like a culture comes in different colors like your ethnicity like you're gonna have like a like someone who's mexican who looks who is super pale compared to someone who's like hispanic and is like super dark yeah like and you have to be able to acknowledge those yeah those like dynamics between your own culture i was um talking to my boyfriend earlier today and we were looking at some stuff by Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. and something we found was him stating that he doesn't like the term black being used to describe somebody because he said that there's a whole bunch of different like variations in colors and that he doesn't understand why like unless you're unless you're completely black you have no melatonin you're naked 24 7 getting hit by the sun you're not gonna look as black as a shirt and so he's like why do people get described like that by a color yeah and then 
somebody else i forget his name but he came from um africa like he was born there and he thought this was so stupid like what he was saying <laughs> because he, he went in to talk about like whoa like i'm not black and so he, <laughs> and so he went he went off the show he, he like was blank for a second and then there's sirens and he comes back and he goes mm, the cops said i'm black because clearly he went and tried something because he's not black anymore. He oh. can't be prejudiced against. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and it was so funny to me. But yeah, like, like there is different variations, but I don't know, like, where Joe Rogan was trying to get with yeah. that. Like, it kind of just created some controversy. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's just trying to say, like, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to say. But what I got from it is, like, when you describe someone, you say, like, black, white. But when you describe, like, someone who's Mexican, you call them by, like, their race. Yeah. Like, you don't say, they're like, they're brown. Like, they're so light. Yeah. So maybe he's trying to move, like, an agenda of maybe we should describe people by their nation, not their nationalities, but their ethnicities. Like, yeah. Like, where they come from. Like, for example, you, like, someone would say you're white. But actually, but like, I have like African American like DNA and DNA, yeah. In so, I mean, and then don't we all? Yeah, exactly. Like, but we all have different different and ethnicities. Another thing, the guy I think his name was Noah, the one that um, clapped back at Joe Rogan. <laughs> he, he he stated he was like, you know, realistically, back in the day, they used to say that as long as you had one drop of African American blood in your body, you were black. And you got treated differently because of that. Even if you were white, yeah. if you had one drop of blood that came from a black person in you, you were black and it didn't matter. Yeah. That actually brings me back to the time I learned about, um, like, Spanish colonialism. And it actually kind of relates back to how if you were Spanish-born, like, you'd be you'd be given all the rights, even though, like, they were, co like, colonizing, it yeah. would give you all the rights, like, for the governing, the Spanish govern governing system. Yeah. And then once, say, you're full, full Spaniard, and then you mix with Indian or, or African-American, once that happens, you're considered Indian, you're considered African, like, you have no rights at all, even if you have some blood yeah. that is Spaniard. And even if your parent was fully Spaniard, yeah. because they mix. That's kind of like how, how I was talking about with the whole one drop of like black blood. Yeah. It's like it, the same thing. Yeah. Like this goes way dated back to when you said like 17. Yeah, 1750. That's Or even crazy. a little before, yeah. When, whenever like the Spanish colonization was. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Um, do you know about pigmentocracy? Um, no. Do you want to like go into detail about that? Yeah, there's like a description. It's a racial system whereby whiter skin was directly related to higher social status and honor, while darker skin was associated both while the physical labor of slaves and Indians, as well as the dishonor of the conquered. So that that relates to like a, a lot of the issues today. Yeah, like not only was that a big issue back then, but nowadays like with police brutality and stuff, like the first thing they think about when they see a black man walking on the side of the street is like drugs or a criminal or like yeah. theft or something. Yeah. 
and you see a white man walking in a suburban neighborhood and they think oh he's got a good job with three kids and a healthy wife like and like that matters right yeah yeah i know you had like a really cool quote about um oh yeah on george floyd on george floyd yeah okay yeah um this can be like a major premise that will underlie my claim on colorblind racism being a form of race-related discrimination. Um, It comes from an article I found titled Black Lives Matter, Police Brutality in the Era of COVID-19 by Tyra Jean. The quote says, due to the lack of discussion about the existence and negative impacts of colorism, colorism, excuse me, the darkest people in various ethnicities and cultures are left to bear the brunt of oppression without the appropriate support nor validation. Asian and Latinx communities must also have honest conversations about the oppression of the darkest people within their own cultures and the ways in which their communities preserve and glorify white Western standards. Officer Tao, Tao Theo, a Hmong American, is being described by anti-racist activities activists, excuse me, as a symbol of Asian American complicity and anti-black practices. Officer Theo was seen in several images with his back turned while George Floyd was being suffocated to death by a white police officer. That that really goes um, into like supporting my argument because if you think about how everybody is trying to not be or everybody's trying to be colorblind right they see that as a good thing whereas like in this situation it is it's a bad thing because if he had noticed that black people not only black people but other like people of darker colors like your pigmentation yeah pigmentocracy um, pigmentocracy even darker colors exactly like if he were to think about that and think about the fact that maybe if it were a white man or like somebody of lighter pigmentation, this might not have happened. He could have stepped in and helped. But maybe because it was a white man doing this to a black man, he didn't want to get into the controversy of it. And even when the officer wasn't like staring at, at the situation, like, and he felt uncomfortable, like, that might have made him like racist, but maybe not necessarily colorblind racist. It just made him the opposite of colorblind racist. But then there's a fine line between that where you're, you know, you're not colorblind racist and you do acknowledge like, like all all of the people's issues and like their, their work lives and their differences. But then the fine line is where you acknowledge it, but then you're prejudiced against those issues those issues yeah exactly yeah it's 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 really sad what happened in this situation and it's it helps the world to kind of see the that fine line you know Mm -hmm. is where like you can acknowledge it in two different ways and most people just see it as like you're either racist or you're not but there's so many forms of it and colorblind racism being one of them and then there's forms off of that as well Mm -hmm. and it's like to really understand it you you have to look into the media and see these like different aspects and like situations going on you know what i mean yeah like you can understand the perspective of being colorblind racist like seeing everybody as equal like like i guess just a gray scale like yeah you know but 
you're able to also have a different perspective where you're not like that and you do acknowledge yeah. so like you just understand all of the perspectives they have to just... do it like the right way the, yeah you and not degrading their issues but mm-hmm. making them feel like they're heard and understood yeah but also partly like equal yeah like we're the same but you go through different hardships than me and you just kind of have to acknowledge that yeah. and i guess a lot of people would argue that not being colorblind racist actually makes you like more racist and more prejudiced because say there was one black person in the room and when you looked at them you thought about everything that happened that is linked to their race and then yeah the fine line is like are you gonna degrade them or are you just gonna acknowledge accept them them for who they are yeah and let them know that you feel them and that you hear them and mm-hmm. you understand them yeah yeah or treat them differently you mm-hmm. know that's that fine line is like you don't have to be colorblind racist to still yeah, be, racist be racist in that sense mm-hmm. yeah okay so now we're gonna get into another supporting article i have um it's titled conflating apples and oranges understanding modern forms of racism by w carson bird they go into talk about how there are four frames to colorblind racism one being abstract liberalism two naturalization three cultural racism and four minimization the first one abstract liberalism uses ideas of political and economic liberalism abstractly to explain race-related issues and is perhaps a key frame within colorblind racism. This frame also allows whites to appear moral and reasonable while characterizing society in terms of equal opportunity. Yeah, and and that's true because like no, a, yeah. a lot of a lot of people who, you know, are seem ig- ignorant to some might seem moral and reasonable yeah. to others because they just want to you they know, just want everybody to be seen as equal. equal yeah. yeah, they don't want to acknowledge the the issues or the hardships, but you know that's that's where this comes into place. It's like this is a frame that you could see it through, but realistically, it's not really moral or reasonable to ignore other people's hardships or like differences where we should be acknowledging that. Yeah. Um, the second one, naturalization, allows individuals to rationalize why they have homogeneous associations or networks because it naturally happened that way like prefers like as it were Mm. basically this is saying like i'm say say i'm white i grew up in a white household with a mom and a dad three younger siblings we went to private schools and public schools played three sports each got awards played school played sports in the community we Uh, competed in competitions, sang at the fairs, like, we were the ideal white family. And it's like, a lot of people would say, like, that naturally happened that way. We're like, no, my parents really worked for that. And we struggled. And there were times where they couldn't even put food on the table. We had to ask family to take us to events. We had to call our neighbor to ask for, like, something, like, to help us throughout the week. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it didn't just happen that way. Like, my parents worked really, really, really hard for that. You know what I mean? Like, not being able to acknowledge how a person's, like, lifestyle came to be. Like, yeah. Like, say, for example, there's 
there's somebody who is like Hispanic and poor, or there's somebody who's Hispanic and like and like rich, wealthy, wealthy, yeah. and none of those two came to be just because. Yeah, and like no, there's a lot of like acknowledgement to see in there because maybe they weren't able to say somebody who is undocumented and they they do in a sense have the same opportunities and they're able to do whatever they want in life but there's so many challenges that come in between and same for the person who say there's a black person who is who is born poor yeah and they had didn't have control over that and quote unquote it came to be that way but no because maybe their ancestors and ancestors yeah. like came maybe from like slavery or they were also poor so it was always harder to yeah to you know move <clears throat> move move up in the ladder yeah. of of money <laughs> yeah but like what you're saying it kind of like sounds like it sounds like kind of you're saying that it does naturally happen that way like you're either born poor or you're born or you were born part of a slave family or you weren't but I think even if you're born like or you're undocumented or you're not but I think even if you're undocumented the way that you can look at life can either be I'm never gonna get anywhere because of this or or you could say I'm going to make my life better and I'm going to fight so hard to get to where I want to be. And you don't even have to, like, ideologize white families or, like, rich families or anything. You can ideologize what you want, just specifically what you want, yeah. and make that happen. Yeah, and that's the most important part. I mean, I think that, too, I guess my argument wasn't very, like, composed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like, m- most importantly like you know yourself like what where you think you can get like your potential whatever and then there's like the people around you who see you as certain certain things in your life like you said oh played three sports went to private school went to but nobody knows the actual like challenges because yeah. like, those aren't on display yeah nobody displays that mm-hmm. you know challenging it <laughs> exactly would be the opposite of being color you know colorblind racist like yeah like once you acknowledge everything besides like the cert like the surface level like you're you're able to be more like interested in in, yeah. in seeing different ethnicities like what they do like exactly like their their issues like their like their successes yeah. and everything. like let's cut the situation backwards like we've been talking about white people being colorblind racist to black people but let's put this backwards imagine how many white families are looking like the the top prize like the, the most beautiful typical white family right but they're going through all these hardships other races not just black people but like other races as well will see that and they'll never understand the hardships that it took to get there and they if they were to just like open up and talk about their differences together mm-hmm. it would help each of them understand each other better and oh, could yeah. even support each other and network each other and get them both up higher on the ladder you know what i mean yeah like they could work together rather mm-hmm. than apart and that's where like colorblind racism also comes into play where you can acknowledge each other's differences in the right way yeah no matter what race or nothing or where you are like yeah. you don't have to treat anybody differently because of where you are on the wealth spectrum ladder or anything you know what i mean but like you can just you can help each other and build each other up rather than Mm -hmm. you know 
Yeah, and uh, I guess a different perspective we can take on this is like how um, our society mostly like um, more younger younger people they they kind of like put um, quote unquote white people in this like pedestal saying like you know they're privileged they're, they're the typical yeah white family. typical white family yeah, exactly. like they have it all they you know but in reality aside from color like everybody has their own story exactly. their own struggles and like not being like colorblind racist allows you to see that exactly. instead because even preach, if preach preach <laughs> here we go snap <laughs> the snaps <laughs> but yeah it, and it also ties to like the cultural racism that you have yeah um so number three is cultural racism blames the victim by attempting to identify cultural aspects of racial ethnic minorities lives that are inferior to the white normative culture i.e deviant family structure lack of effort wrong values etc thus deficient culture becomes a source of racial ethnic minorities inability to attain success not discrimination and cumulative disadvantage this is pretty much saying like if um said someone was to look at an african-american and say that their issues came from deviant family structure lack of effort and wrong values and etc when really really it came from like discrimination cumulative disadvantage prejudice everything like your somebody else's perspective yes exactly like but it's it's not like they they did not teach their family wrong values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were just brought up differently and discriminated against and mm-hmm. so many different issues and like hardships happened to them that nobody sees. Yeah. I mean it's the same with like I mean all of these like values like and efforts and structures like you can tie that to um like ideologies like being a republican or being democrat like none of those make you a bad person like and none of those lifestyles whatever it is like it's not going to make you a bad person or it's not like bad like the ideologies itself is okay to have you know yeah exactly um the last one is minimization stresses the notion that racism is no longer a central factor in society influencing people's lives This frame allows the belief that racism exists only through the overt, all-out racist behavior that was found during Jim Crow and that racism ended with the Civil Rights Movement. Now, that's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's literally like, like... How, how could you think that there is no other racism anymore? Like, are you, like, are you blind? Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's where, that's where, like, that's where I heard about, like, colorblind racism, because it's not just one form of racism. It didn't just end with the civil rights movement. It didn't just start with Jim Crow. Like, it's, it's colorblind racism. It's internalized racism, institutional racism. There's um, laissez-faire racism, symbolic racism, and um, systemic racism. Like, I could go on for, 
like hours talking about all this all the different types of racism we have in this world and it's crazy to think that people like literally are blind to that like they just think it ended yeah no like and then off of all of those forms there's even more splits to it yeah like, like how like exactly like how colorblind racism has like you're either colorblind racist or you're not but if you're not you can do it the right way or the wrong way mm -hmm. by using your knowledge to discriminate or by using your knowledge to connect and, and build and yeah be curious and and just be fucking friendly yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. It, i mean it's a crazy thing but also like in the perspective of the person that does minimize stresses it's kind of like they they're they're not only blind to like the issues happening now but they're kind of blind to like all the theories and ideologies yeah. that that you know that come forth like that are on the news or that you can research about like they're not even interested about learning oh, about yeah. different and different i literally know people like that yeah and like it's yeah and it's not being it's just simply not being interested in learning exactly. more like and in a way you you can be like well if you're an older person it sort of makes sense because you're kind of stuck in your ways and also why do you want to learn about new things when you have lived right. your whole life but moving forward and you can't change people like like talking about these things like we are right now like talking about colorblind racism but we can in a have a professional manner yeah. like we're not fighting like yeah. it's just a conversation exactly and, and then we can have conversations about all the other ones delisted you know and, yeah and they'll still be they'll still be as important and like there'll still be more perspective to see like exactly. it's just crazy yeah well um i think that wraps up our podcast um we enjoyed having y'all listen to us again this is angel volk and scarlett alvarez and we will see you guys next wednesday <laughs>